This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. This is Post Week 5 Recap. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ co-host for a great week four we are a quarter of the way through the fantasy season we are a third well more or less a third of the way through the regular season uh a quarter overall most uh, leagues are running about 16 weeks trying to skip that 17th week where guys might be rested so how do you feel at this pull market my team a little disappointed this week tough loss um the nfl um we're gonna see how they bounce back from this covid stuff um if they keep forging forward or not um especially with the packers having a bye week and them being housed in the number one covid hotspot in the country so i guess a lot of just waiting and seeing for me on both aspects so what i'm really going to be potentially concerned on is any of these guys during their bye week going off and doing really stupid stuff. Um, we already saw the Raiders do a maskless charity event, which got them all fined. It was um, maybe the tipping or just the uh, tip of the iceberg, if you will. And I'm concerned on any of these guys because we're starting bye weeks officially. Not COVID bye weeks uh, like the Titans and the Steelers had a forced one this last weekend. But a, a actual built-in scheduled bye weeks for the Lions and the Packers. And we have them all, all the way till week 11 now. How these guys are going to respond now that they have like some downtime, a little bit of time to rest. Uh, they're going to be away from the facilities. Do these guys stay at home, try and stay safe? And do they monitor it, or are they going to have moments of weakness again? So I, I think it's something to monitor. It's going to be the biggest underlying story that could pop up at any point during the season. We already had one star quarterback go down. Uh, it sounds like he's asymptomatic, so he may be back as early this as this weekend already, but you just never know. And that was only is that the only player we're going to have all season? Probably not, but... Everything's fluid from a week-to-week basis, and you just try and uh, navigate your way through it. With the amount of injuries we've had and uh, all the other situations, it's going to be a weird year, and I'm just enjoying the ride at the moment. All right. Uh, For those of you that are first-time listeners to the Dynasty Download, we are the show that proves Dynasty League Fantasy Football is the best form there is and why you should be doing that over any of your other leagues We kick redrafts ass. Uh, If you would like to contact the show, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. That's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. We don't have any listener questions this week, but I will quickly overview my waiver wire pickups. Now, I changed the column this week. Uh, Since this is a Dynasty-focused podcast, I took on a little bit of a different uh, flair. So I redevised the column into best buys, injury ads only, and top handcuffs. So make sure to check out that every Tuesday. Uh, that'll be up on the blog. I will link that in the show notes. And uh, there will be a new article each week to help you navigate the waters of Dynasty League football as we move ahead. 
So uh, let's move off of that and get into the heart of the show. Uh, our normal trade roundup segment. So you kind of told me you had a few big offers either in the offing. Uh, I guess what has been going on with your GM skills this week? I have been trying to get myself a quarterback. But even to start this off, I mean, I offered you a, a blockbuster trade, and we were talking about this before, asking if you would look to move Mahomes. And as you were talking about how everything changes so rapidly, a couple weeks ago you were talking about selling. Um, now you are in overall first place of the league, last undefeated team standing. So I understand your reasoning why you um, did are not trading Pat Mahomes. Uh, but I offered you a lot. Yes, um, you did. I, I I kind of forgot what I what I offered you. It was Joe Burrow a first. So the last offer that was on the table was Joe Burrow, uh, your first three picks in the next two drafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up and getting you, to that you point. You did wasn't meet. It? Yeah. You you did meet the Herschel Walker threshold <laughs> of rather a large haul. And I will be honest. I did give it a lot of thought. It wasn't something I immediately said no to, and that's with knowing I was going to be in first place that my team had such a big weekend. I really had to think about it for a good half an hour in order to really sort it out on my mind. Had this been another week, had my team been maybe one in three, we'd be in a much different situation. But I do, ultimately, the, the whole objective is to win titles. And if you have a legitimate shot, you have to take your best shot at it. Ultimately, I, I don't think it gets much better or much more sure-footed than starting Pat Mahomes, even though he had a bad night last night, fantasy-wise. Um, yeah, and then I offered something up to Derek as well for Dak. And it was this over the past weekend, and he declined it this morning. But it was another big trade where it was like a first to second maybe even a third was involved either this year or next year. Um, and he sat on that for a couple of days as well. I don't know if he was thinking about it or not, um, but he ended up declining that as well with Joe Burrow involved. So um, yeah, I, people are holding on to these top quarterbacks in our league for sure. Cause I, I thought if I was in Derek's shoes, I would have thought long and hard about it. And it's tough to do, you know, it's tough to do. There's maybe only one top quarterback that might be moved in is because of where the team sits right now, but I don't think he's willing to do it just based on my perception, and that's where Russell Wilson is in our particular league. Most other leagues, you would say, with their production level and what they've done so far in this calendar year, that Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Dak Prescott are probably unmovable. Because the Cowboys, that situation is going to be repeatable, and I don't think they have yet to play a division game. They've got two games against the Eagles, against the Washington team, uh, and against the uh, Giants at some point. They're likely to throw the ball a lot, uh, even in those games, even if they're up. So clearly they're not going to run the football. Uh, that, that's been established. That. We're going to talk about that. Well, obviously, I, I wouldn't doubt it, but they're going to be in situations, so at least for this season, I wouldn't expect it. You were more likely to get somebody like um, Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, those fringe uh, 
quarterback one starters, not the set it and forget it type, because those have so much value in our league with, we've talked about it before, the quarterback points um, being the way they are, 300 yards being a bonus um, range for just yardage, uh, the uh, point differential in yards being 20 instead of 25 you, you just have an opportunity to pick up five or six more points from that position by comparison to some of the other ones. So a quarterback has a little bit extra emphasis, and if you have one of those top guys, in order to really compete, that is probably where you're going to go, especially because uh, the way the rules are structured, most of the top guys, surprisingly, knock on wood, have not gone down yet. As far as the bigger quarterbacks go, it's probably not going to be something where you're going to hit on one of those guys because they're so valuable. I would probably, in your situation, look for a viable quarterback one range starter, but that's not necessarily one of those uh, set it and forget it guys. That's more within the range of possibility, especially given that Matt Ryan is on a team where Dana's got Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers both playing really well. Um, You might be able to get him, and depending on the week, he's probably going to hit. Uh, you may be able to get Cam Newton away from Derek because he's got Tom Brady and Dak Prescott, you know, a, a, cert- a serviceable type starter. And if Tom Brady continues to put up the numbers, maybe you do a swing deal where um, you don't know when Brady's going to retire. You might be able to get him as a buy low, um, high upside candidate for the rest of the year if he continues to uh, throw like he did this weekend. Um, I'm not sure that's viable. I still have my doubts on Tom Brady, particularly given how bad he was in the first half and how bad that offense was. But your biggest problem is you're seen as a guy that's going to finish probably top four minimum. So that means that for each round, somebody's drafting seventh or later, and that's really affecting where your draft status is. And most of the time you're offering draft picks where, unlike this year, this year was an exception, not the rule. We had so many guys that were talented in a huge wide receiver class. We had so many talented backs to pick up, pick from. I think the first six, or six of the first seven picks were all running backs this year in our rookie draft. I don't think that is the case every year. You usually have that one out of every three years. And in my case, other than Joe Burrow, you weren't offering a lot of tangible assets back that have some value already placed on them. You're offering so much of a future essence that it becomes difficult to project that out. So especially two years from now when I'm not sure where the college class is going to be. I like the class coming in next year. I think there are some exceptional players that could be in the draft, particularly at quarterback. Uh, Because I see Trevor Lawrence, I see Justin Fields, I see the kid out of uh, North Dakota State. Uh, You think about um, the wide receiver, I can't remember his name, out of Purdue. Uh, That could be a a potential star. Uh, There there are a lot of good potential picks early on in that that draft for next season. Uh, You start then thinking about Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, Those guys are are potentially uh, stars. So I I think there's value there, but it just depends on what people do. And I don't think most people are going to be willing to jump on draft picks as the primary piece in a trade offer. They're going to want tangible assets. So mostly if if I'm looking at a a trade valuation offer right now, 
you're more likely to get responses where draft picks are supplements, sweeteners, if you will, than if they're the main part of the deal. Just my thought. So I don't want to spend too much more time on it. Um, my valuations, though, by low candidate of the week, I see a lot of guys uh, really starting to doubt his ability. And with the Kansas City offense having uh, two, I guess if you would call it down weeks against the Chargers and the Patriots um, in uh, two of the four first four weeks, they didn't really have a huge game in week one, although this guy did. And he wasn't much of a factor per se against the Ravens when the offense was really humming last week on Monday Night Football. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a definite buy low candidate, especially in Dynasty. I'm thinking much more of the long term. I still love this guy. I know the Chiefs love this guy and that they're going to figure out how to get him best involved. But he has not had enough time to work himself into the offense. And he's not Kareem Hunt. He's not going to be a, a solo back where he's going to get 20 carries a game, but he could get 15 carries and five catches. I mean, that that's much more likely where my thought was is he was going to have a lot more PPR value than he was going to have as being a bell cow back. So if somebody is dumb enough where he's underperformed for the first four weeks and you can buy low on that guy, Given what Kansas City's schedule is uh, for the rest of the year, especially starting this week, uh, now that they've handled Baltimore, they've handled uh, New England, they've only got one more date against the Chargers, but it's at home. Uh, I'm definitely buying Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. My sell-high candidate of the week. It's unfortunate that it is this, because I actually think he's going to do well the rest of the year, but it's a guy that is at peak value right now. It's Joe Mixon. The the simple fact is he had 13 more points than his next highest scoring game since he's been in the league. And I even though the Bengals offense has been productive, he completely broke out in a game where you couldn't trust him to necessarily start if you had other options. He went to the hospital for x-rays of his chest on Saturday. You were worried going into the game, and then he has this huge week. The, the whole point of having a guy like that to begin with that you draft in the first one or two rounds in redraft or that you're stashing long-term as a dynasty option is set it and forget it value. And this guy has been so up and down, so unpredictable over the last couple of years. If you can get somebody to overpay for him, I certainly think it's worth the uh, potential effort. Yeah, I mean, as a Joe Mixon owner, um, he's, he can't, he can be a little frustrating at times, but never to the point where it's like, God, I need to get rid of this mother because, you know, he does give you those games. And then towards the end, um, on seasons, when you're going through a playoff runs, I feel like he's one of those runners that gets stronger as the season goes on. Um, but you do look for a guy um, that you draft that early that it is. It's set it and forget it. You put him in your lineup and you and you leave it alone. And that's what I was doing with him for the first three weeks of the season. And I guess what I did. I took him out of my lineup this week and he put up 40 whatever points on my bench. So it's frustrating. And he he has those games like that. But the Bengals don't really have too many more options on the offense. So he's one of those guys that you just got to sit and be patient with um, unless you can find somebody that wants to put up with the 
the ups and downs that is Joe Mixon. And they're going to have a favorable schedule. They're coming off of having the first overall draft pick. It's not like they're going to be playing all of the world beaters. They're going to have a few uh, games where they're they're in a favorable situations. You don't necessarily like them, uh, the other Browns game that they're going to have, or against the Ravens or the Steelers necessarily, but there are going to be weeks where Joe Mixon is going to be in a favorable matchup, and if he can continue to get uh, as much passing game work as he did this last weekend, it's not like it's a huge amount. He's not Austin Eckler, he's not Christian McCaffrey, but can he be serviceable? He could still be in the top 10 back range on a given week. I have him comfortably inside the top 20 of overall backs. I'm not sure he's a running back one, but where you drafted him potentially, he might be a running back two, and that's okay, especially with how few backs are non-committee. So uh, our newest segments, um, we started it last week, but uh, what I got right, what I got wrong. So let's start with the what I got wrong. Uh, I had the Jaguars as an upset over Cincinnati. Uh, Unfortunately, they didn't come through, but that was a back-and-forth game. I don't feel too terrible about that. The next couple were ones I feel a little worse about. Uh, Daryl Henderson Jr., I expected a huge game out of him. The Rams had run him two consecutive weeks, and all of a sudden Malcolm Brown is out-snapping him almost uh, 3-2. to And for what we'd seen out of the Rams... It didn't look like this was going to end up being the It just gives me so much unease as a, a Cam Akers owner for when he comes back of how they're going to rotate these guys and how little you can trust uh, the Rams system of offense moving forward. Uh, I won't spend a ton of time on it. Allen Robinson. I thought he'd have a bad weekend this weekend. I thought he'd get shadowed by Xavier Rhodes. Uh, he has seven catches, 101 yards, and a score. Uh, He is definitely in the stud territory. I think he might be uh, fringe wide receiver one um, right now. And uh, for for owners that draft him, he's a huge value. Uh, Alan Lazard I had on my yay list. He obviously goes out with that injury. I had published that before uh, that core muscle injury was there. And most of his targets ended up going to Jamal Williams and Robert Tanyan last night. So basically, if you can get the number one, number two pass catcher in the Packers offense right now, whomever that might be. Now, they're on a bye week this week, and you would expect Devontae Adams to come back in two weeks. But that's a very valuable position uh, to potentially have. And number five, Terry McLaurin. He was the last name on my um, nay list, uh, and I once again... So Terry McLaurin has had two huge days out of four weeks, and I've had him on the bench in my redraft league for both of them. I am tired of getting that one wrong. I'm just going to leave him in the lineup, even though I have uh, viable options outside of him in Robert Woods and uh, Robbie Anderson, another guy we're going to address later. What I got right, the Panthers beating the Cardinals. I had that one dead on because I thought for whatever reason the Panthers were starting to surge the Cardinals were starting to dip a little bit um I'll take a little bit of credit for that one the next one I have Odell Beckham Jr. to the house I can get used to that the rest of this year damn was that awesome and uh that's the fun Odell coming back uh Another guy we just mentioned a, a second ago, a guy I picked up before the weekend off of waivers, Robert Tanyan, three touchdowns for the Packers this weekend. Uh, I don't think that this is his high watermark of the year. There's no way he's going to top this fantasy point-wise. You you don't get three touchdowns every game. But 
Can he be a viable starter? He's already proven that he's going to be a goal line option. Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball like nobody's business. And clearly the Packers can't run the ball from the one-yard line, so they're going to end up starting to throw to uh, get defenses to soften up. Uh, Devontae Parker was on my yay list for the weekend. He has a nice little weekend, again, against that Seattle defense. Uh, You like the fact that he is by far the number one wide receiver in that Dolphins offense that's clearly going to have to throw a lot. Uh, I still like his potential value. He's wide receiver two, wide receiver three range for me. Uh, Will Fuller, the fifth. Damn, again, if that guy can stay healthy, he puts up points. His stat line already for... Uh, the three weeks that he's actually finished the game or been a part of, he's getting uh, over 15 fantasy points. He has a huge amount of targets week one against the Chiefs. He has a uh, pretty good game last weekend against the Steelers, and he has a big game here against the Vikings. You like the Texans uh, as a uh, offense against some of the matchups that they're going to have. We're going to address the Bill O'Brien situation later, but he is clearly Deshaun Watson's favorite target in that offense. And again, it's health permitting. He is a viable fantasy starter. Uh, I don't, flex only right now, again, based on health. Uh, let's just do the quick league roundup. So let's start with Cops' heroes in the comeback win of the weekend. Beats Shadynasty, Dynasty, pulls him from, from the number one spot and the um, ranks of the unbeaten. 146.9 to 133.2. Dirty Carl uh, bringing up the rear yet again. 75.95 points to 84.9 uh, total points for Rogers Rabbits, who has their worst performance of the of the year and still wins. Uh, Ed Winners, uh, close but no cigar. Unfortunately, he was playing Derek, who had Deck Prescott, who had a huge week yet again. 131.4 to 148.1. Keep trying, Ed. I know you're one and three, but you've had 130 points the last three weeks. Uh, you're clearly doing something right, and your enthusiasm is clearly catching on. It could be a lesson to the other owners who aren't nearly as involved. Uh, Far for Life, uh, unfortunately, loses by just a little over two points to King in the North, 113.6 to 111.45. I was definitely rooting at the end of the game for Todd Gurley to get back in for like a one-yard goal line touchdown, uh, give me a little bit more cushion in that particular division. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't shake itself out, uh, given the amount of beating his chest, um, cockiness that was coming from a particular Ben Brundage last weekend. Uh, I, I would have really enjoyed him eating his words. Uh, he only finishes above three people in the entire league. Unfortunately for him, he was playing one of those three people. Uh, his team really took a dump this weekend, and clearly uh, his quarterback situation needs uh, work. So did I Did I miss any? Bro, shut up. Oh, yes. What, what a difference a week makes. Oh, my goodness. Tom Terrific, who I picked to lose this week against Akron Pros, who was getting back on track, sets the weekly point scoring record for the league, 221.1 to 132.6. Wow. Uh, uh, <clears throat> pat, patting myself on the back a little bit here. Uh, was- I'll take... No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I, I know it, was that- an imp- it was an impressive week. I, I know that I've jumped severely into the points lead. I'm the only undefeated team. But 
it's better to be lucky than good. It helps to be both. I know I'm a good player, but I've gotten a lot of luck this year. And I will enjoy it, but it still makes me a little bit nervous that I, I don't think I have as big a juggernaut as my team seems to indicate at the moment. I've had an extraordinarily good luck because going into the weekend, I wasn't sure if either of my starting running backs were going to be healthy. Now they're potentially top 10 options at both positions. Well, I don't know if you've ever like messed around on this website, the dynasty website before, but um, current projections right now have you going 13 and 0. There's no way. Dude, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. That's what the current projections are. Okay, let, let's just <laughs> let's run this scenario for the sake of it. I would have to seriously consider if I ran the table. If I if I ran the table, kept health, you know, knock on wood, um, shake some salt, whatever you want to do to to throw superstition to the wind. If I were to go and run the table, I would seriously have to consider quitting the league because I can never top it. <laughs> it would be 72 Dolphins level impressive. I, I, I just don't know how you could top it. There, there's no possible way. It doesn't happen. There are too many bye weeks. There are injuries. It's just as good a start as you have. I, I Nothing is ever on paper. I've been so close to titles before, and then you get to that ending point and you stumble out of the blocks or something in the championship game. I will count my chickens when they're hatched. Let's this, just say that much. It was the most points scored in a week all time through the entire existence of the league. So congratulations to you, Tom Terrific. And I, by the way, I went back to 2005 before the Dynasty League when this was a redraft league. It was higher than any single point since 2005. Mm. That's 16 years. Let's move out of that, and we'll move into the actual game stuff so people can stop listening to me talk and ask you questions instead. That's what they, the people pay to uh, listen to. All right, Jaguars at Bengals. Uh, this one finishes with a uh, Jaguars loss at the Bengals, 25-33. Uh, to 33. Gardner Minshew throws for 351 yards, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon, obviously the story of the day, 151 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, another one through the air. DJ Shark comes back with a vengeance, eight receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns. The two questions I have for you, number one, Tyler Boyd's current value, number two, DJ Chark's value. Um, I would say Chark's value is uh, higher than Tyler Boyd's, but I don't hate Tyler Boyd's value at all. Um, his last three weeks, he's at double-digit points, so he's one of those guys that you have to think about putting into your lineup, but I think still think his depends on matchups. With Chark, I feel like you throw him into your lineup, you don't worry about it. He is the guy in Jacksonville when healthy. He's the guy that you go to, um, so if he's one of your top couple receivers on your team, unless you're stacked at receiver, he probably is, you have to have him in your lineup each and every week. I actually would reverse that, and it's really. Not, I think Chark's the more talented player, but I always default to the guy with more volume. And Tyler Boyd has had double-digit targets uh, the last three weeks. Uh, he, he has had, I want to say, double-digit catches at least the last two weeks. So give me the guy in a, any bit of a PPR setting. Um, Chark is a little bit touchdown-dependent, and I know he had eight catches this weekend in a passing offense, but uh, I... 
think they can roll a lot more coverage to him than the Bengals, who clearly have a lot of options at wide receiver. Uh, Browns at Cowboys. Probably the most entertaining game of the weekend by far. Uh, the two questions I have for you. Number one, is Odell Beckham Jr. back? I feel like um, he is more consistent, but to say that he's back, um, I feel like I still need to see a little bit more. So as far as fantasy value, I would say that he's making bigger plays. He clearly looks healthy. He's got that burst. He's got that wiggle. Uh, You like what you're seeing out of him. He's made some very big plays. The problem for me is, again, volume. He's not had a ton of touches right now, so i be more confident i know this was a three touchdown game one of them was on that reverse fluke that they had at the end of the game which it it was a absolutely incredible play by him but i until he gets the volume i'm not sure that i'm placing him in the wide receiver one uh maybe even the wide receiver two category based on what he's done i probably put him in the back half of wide receiver twos right now and uh, it's a wait-and-see type attitude because he still has Baker Mayfield throwing them the ball. Uh, the other question I had from this game, uh, panic for Zeke. Uh, unfortunately, Zeke is still yet to touch the ball, I think, more than uh, 16 times in a, a single game. I might have that wrong. Uh, the Cowboys are clearly throwing a lot of the time because they're having to play catch-up. They have um, uncharacteristically bad starts and then are, are playing catch game. He's not getting a ton of passing game work. He's getting enough to be productive. But from where you potentially drafted him as the number three overall back in fantasy, uh, are you really? Where's your panic level? See, for me, um, Zeke is Zeke, and it's not. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about this Mike McCarthy offense um, and how they involve Zeke in it. Um, in his last two games. He's had a combined 26 carries, just 26 carries, but the receiving has been able to keep him to where he's relevant enough, where so you still have him in his in your lineup every single week. Um, I think he had eight catches last game, so it's enough. Um, but he's not the Zeke that you got last year or the year before that, and I think it has everything to do with the type of play calling. They're doing so much with Dak, and I get it. Dak is amazing. He's great, but the game of football is still so simple. You control the game by controlling the run, and I feel like if you have one of the best running backs in the league, I feel like he should have more carries than that, especially if you paid him. Like, what are you paying him? Why are you keeping him around? Tony Pollard could do exactly what they're asking of Zeke if not involved that much. But Zeke is bigger, he's stronger, he's faster than almost anybody that's out there on that field. And I can't understand why they're not using him better. It's a mystery to me. My panic level is about a 6 or a 7 right now, based on where it's at. And it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. You like them in more positive game scripts where Zeke might be able to get the ball later if they're ahead in some of those divisional games I mentioned before. But it's certainly disconcerting if you're his owner and what he's done before. You figured you were drafting the most consistent player um, in possibly fantasy other than Christian McCaffrey because Saquon had had some issues up and down and he'd been productive, but he had some health last year and uh, he had some other struggles depending on the week. This was a guy that 
if you're going to draft in the first round, was easily said and forget it, and now he's maybe on the fringe of running back two territory. So it, it's concerning, disconcerting if you wanted him to lead your team. Uh, Saints at Lions. I don't have a ton of fantasy questions for this. Alvin Kamara performed. Uh, Kenny Galladay was okay. The The Lions put up points, but it wasn't like anybody had a, pr- a pretty good day. Uh, you're pretty much out on Marvin Jones and some of these other guys. Um, the Lions running back depth is kind of a jumbled mess, and Michael Thomas wasn't playing. So I guess the only question I have as a fantasy-relevant value out of this is, uh, given the amount that they're still having to throw the ball, and I don't care about air yards, is Drew Brees still a fringe quarterback one ter- starter territory? Nah. Nah. Um, when I think of quarterback one, I kind of think of like you said it and forget it type of a guy. And with Drew Brees, um, he's still so matchup dependent. We've talked about it before. Um, he's averaging like 4.7 yards a, a, an attempt throwing the ball down the field. Um, you know, he hasn't had his number one wide receiver in Michael Thomas, so maybe when he comes back, the answer to this question changes. But as of right now, um, no, and I'm not there with Drew Brees. So let's just do a simple up and down on the set it and forget it quarterbacks, just so we have an understanding of where we're at. Patrick Mahomes, yes or no, set it and forget it. Yep. Dak Prescott. Yep. Josh Allen. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Well, if you have Josh Allen, then no. But if you don't, then yes. <laughs> well, I'm just assuming you I know, have this I know. guy by himself. I know. The, I know. I'm just being an ass. You know what I mean? I, I'm fully aware because he was going to come on the show tonight. And except uh, I think it's better he comes on next week when you two are going to head head to head. Oh, That's going to be God, so is fun. Next week, Dana week. Yes, it oh, is. I always get up for Dana week. <laughs> I know you do. And so does he. You guys live for it. It's like nemesis on nemesis. <laughs> Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray rushing. He's on track for a thousand yards rushing right now. So yes. Deshaun Watson. No, not this year. Matthew Stafford. See, now that's a question that he's fringe for me. I'd say that that's where the fringe is for me because Matt Ryan, st- Matt Ryan not last night. Jared um, Goff. He's he's right there on the fringe for me. So you have maybe seven, eight maximum set it and forget it guys. Mm-hmm. So that and in a ten team league, that's not enough for all of the quarterback ones. So there are a couple of guys that are on that fringe category. Um, you might be able to throw in somebody like Gardner Minshew. Um, Joe Burrow might be around that territory. I don't think he's at set it and forget it yet because of. He's still too young, even though he's well, produced. But he plays Baltimore this week, so yeah. Depending on what he does against Baltimore, that's going to be a, a very oh, big litmus test. I truly forget Lamar to Jackson, mention, yeah, the MVP. Lamar Jackson, yeah, yes, he's there. Yeah, all right. Ben Roethlisberger. Ooh, that's a tough one. A couple of years ago, yeah, for sure. And so you know, I, I, you know what, Ben, Ben, I think Ben would be on there for me. With when his wide receivers are healthy. Yes, Ben would be on there for me. I would probably agree with about eight of those guys right now with where they're at. I might throw in Cam Newton with the way he's started the yeah, season. Yeah, you could. Absolutely. And so that's maybe number nine. 
But I think there's a quarterback conversation if you have some of these other guys where it drops off a little bit. I don't think Tom Brady said it and forget it personally. Nope. Nope. Um, so the, you start looking around, and I, Jimmy Garoppolo's not definitely Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles. Oh, hell no. Well, I, these are the starting guys. Carson Wentz is not. <laughs> everything looks like it's. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember. So Russell Wilson is in the phase of his career right now that Aaron Rodgers was about five years ago, where. There's, they've had to pay some of their top guys, so the depth on the team is so bad, and he has to perform at such a high level in order to keep them relevant. I look at that, and I see where the Eagles are at. They've overpaid guys that are now either hurt or not producing, and so Carson Wentz has got to raise his level to Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers type, and he's just not able to do it. If you give him a good supporting cast like you did a couple of years ago, then yes, he's a, going to be a productive quarterback in that offense. But everything looks so difficult for him right now just to do very simple plays. Seahawks to Dolphins, uh, do you believe in Chris Carson? You know, the thing with the Seahawks is no matter who they have at running back, they always have a pretty productive running game. You can always bank on the Seattle Seahawks running that back to be pretty productive. Um, Chris Carson coming off of injury, too, which looked pretty disgusting, which was a dirty play and all that other jazz. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been super productive. Um, you could argue that he's a little touchdown dependent. Um, he had he hasn't been over 100 yards rushing yet. Actually, this week was his biggest rushing game with 80 rushing yards, and then super not involved in the passing game. Three nine catches the last three games, so three a game. Um, but he still put up 23 points, 18 points, 21 points, three out of the last four games. So, yeah, he's in there in your lineup, and they're going to give him the ball. That's the thing. They're going to feed him the ball. The Seahawks offense looked um, different for the first time this season, this last weekend. They weren't the lighted-up, throw-it-down-the-field type. And I, I expect a lot of teams to play a lot of deep cover two, cover three shells to try and get them to do longer drives and make them prove it. Uh, so this could be a, a situation where uh, he might be playing against softer boxes. But he's got five touchdowns through four games. He's got two uh, multi-touchdown games. He's got three receiving touchdowns in uh, four games. I do like his potential value. Right now he's going in the top ten. I still... I'm concerned that he stays there, but given the amount of challenges to everybody not named Alvin Kamara or Aaron Jones, um, maybe even Dalvin Cook, uh, you like where his value's been at, at least through the first quarter of the season. Uh, as for the Dolphins, they did get a heroic performance from Ryan Fitzpatrick, but is it two a time? What do you have to lose? It's not like he's learning or sitting behind a legend, a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, Fitzpatrick, he's been around the league. A long time, and I'm sure he knows the tricks of the trade and all that other stuff, but what do you have to lose? Um, if you have a solid plan for Tua and you know he's not ready yet, then that's all good and dandy. But if he's there, he's ready to go, and you're just letting him sit just because you have Fitzmagic in front of him, um, that I don't understand. But that's one of those things where you just got to be like a fly on the wall to know what the coaches are thinking about the whole thing. With the amount of good play from younger quarterbacks and how effortless they seem to come into the league over the last decade or so, I, I don't think there's any 
um, issue I particularly have if he's fully healthy with thinking he could do something different for this team. Ryan Fitzpatrick's been serviceable, but there's something when you get a young athletic top five pick at quarterback coming in for you. I just wonder if he's healthy enough coming off of uh, the injuries he had coming out of college. Just my thought. And right. if he's if he's not healthy, don't risk him because you're looking for the long term. Uh, the Chargers lose to the Buccaneers 38-31. Uh, Ronald Jones has 111 yards on the ground over 20 carries. Mike Evans with seven catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Justin Herbert has himself a game again. Yeah. I mean, he he's is looking good. he's he looking really very, good. very talented yep. and polished. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, he was going against the GOAT, Tom Brady, who threw six touchdown passes, only five of them to his own team, uh, mostly in the second half, 369 total yards. What? nothing (laughs) okay so i guess the questions i have remaining uh for this particular game is how valuable is tom brady for the rest of the season um he's still sitting there as one of those guys um for me matchups like we just went through it he's not there for set it and forget it for me um he's starting to figure out the Tampa Bay offense, you can see he's getting he's a lot more comfortable now than he was the first couple weeks, and that just comes with time. Um, but he's still not a quarterback that I'm targeting, I guess, for like trades or anything like that. He's on my team, great, but I'm not looking to go acquire him. He's not throwing the ball to Gronk. Scotty Miller was a question coming into this game with several injuries, and he's going to be playing on a short week. Uh, O.J. Howard caught a touchdown in this game and then blew out his Achilles, and Mike Evans hobbled off the field at the end of the game. I just don't know how much... I I believe in Bruce Arians as a play caller. I'm not sure I believe in Tom Brady without all of the pieces around him to be able to do this. It's why I picked up the Bears, or I'm trying to pick up the Bears defense in my redraft league, because I think on a short week... It could be that uh, Tom Brady throws a couple of pick sixes. He'll probably have some touchdowns sprinkled in there, but I think that's a sneaky bad game for the Buccaneers where they disappoint coming off of that game. And then they have that big game after it against Green Bay. Uh, yeah. He's coming off of their bye week. But I think, too, you got Chris Godwin that's coming back, and honestly, I think he's a better wide receiver for Tom Brady than Mike Evans is anyway, and I talked about this earlier on in the earlier episodes of the of our podcast. Um, but you also have Cameron Brait, too, who's not a bad tight end. Um, he'll take over the receiving work as well. Because, um, yeah, Gronk is just, he's a glorified blocker, you know, now is what he's been doing. Um, but so I still think he'll be able to make it work. Um, I just don't think that he's going to be putting up these mega monster numbers, I guess. From what I've been told, uh, it doesn't look like Godwin's going to be back on the short week. If this was a normal week, he might have a chance, but I, I'm not hopeful on him playing Thursday night. Just what I've gotten the sense of. Ravens at Washington. Uh, this was a interesting game. Uh, the Ravens go on the road. I don't. I think it's what like 50 some miles, not even. Uh, to Washington, win on the road, 31 to 17. Dwayne Askins throws for over 300 yards. Uh, Lamar Jackson has a 50-yard run for a touchdown, only three yards the rest of the game. Terry McLaurin, the beast, 10 catches, 118 yards in a uh, huge thumping against uh, the Ravens. 
the Washington team only loses by 14. But the questions I have, is Lamar Jackson back? I need to see it against a different team. Um, it's a step in the right direction, confidence-wise and you know, stat-wise. But at the end of the day, he did it against a team that has no name. I'd feel more confident, like you said, if, if he was going against another team that um, we have different expectations for. It's an expectations game. But you're still, with where you drafted him, if you're in a redraft or uh, the amount you have invested in him, you're still setting him in your lineup every week. So don't even think about it twice. This right. isn't a time to get cute. Nope. Um, this is the this is winning time, if you will. So uh, the other question I had, Terry McLaurin, is he a wide receiver one? I think he's a wide receiver one for a couple of reasons. One reason is he's really fucking good. Uh, the other reason is they feed him the ball a lot. And the third reason is they're going to be behind a lot, too. So there's going to be a lot of garbage time points, a lot of opportunity for him to get the ball on big plays, meaningless touchdowns. But that doesn't matter in fantasy. You will kind of want the guys that are on teams like that a little bit. So, yeah, I think McLaurin, he's the number one wide receiver uh, fantasy-wise um, moving forward. His volume is going to be high. He's clearly a producer, and he has now done it twice in games that we didn't necessarily expect him to, so he's matchup-proof. I think he's firmly in that um, wide receiver one conversation. Uh, it would depend on who you would deem the guys ahead of him, but I don't think there's a ton of guys that, for the rest of the season, you're going to want too much ahead of him. Uh, all right, Uh Cardinals at Panthers. This is a game we kind of already mentioned on. Panthers win at home 31-21. to Teddy Bridgewater, 276 yards, two touchdowns, one on the ground. Mike Davis with another big game. Robbie Anderson, eight catches for 99 yards, finishes just a yard short of another 100-yard day for him. But he's clearly the number one receiver in that Panthers offense. First question I have for you, is Kyler Murray a locked quarterback one? Yes, I still think he's a locked quarterback one because of his rushing ability. Um, he's on track for a thousand yards, which would be the first player to do it since Mike Vick. Um, the problem with him is, and who did it? No, Lamar Jackson. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. Yep, Lamar Jackson. 1,200 yards just set yep. the record last year. Yes, sorry, sorry. Mike Vick, though. You lo Everyone loves Mike Vick. Um, eh. But the only worry I have with Kyler Murray is, is his passing. Passing yards-wise, he's sitting in between Carson Wentz and Daniel Jones. He's not throwing, he's not chucking the ball down the field, um, just blowing everything up. So that's my concern with Kyler Murray. Um, he'll grow into that, obviously. You know, this is only his second year in the league, but you know, Carson Wentz was a pretty mobile quarterback earlier on in his career, and then he got hurt. Then he had to start relying on his arm. Um, a little bit more, and now he's just on a terrible team with a terrible offensive line. That's my worry with Kyler Murray. If he gets hurt, where he then has is forced to play inside the pocket. Um, he's got weapons, though. I think he can do it, um, but that's just my concern with him right now. But yeah, I still think he's a uh, quarterback one. A lot of people drafted him really, really early, thinking he was going to be the next Lamar Jackson this year. I don't see the scheme fit in the way that they really scheme to fit Lamar Jackson and get him into positions of success in the way that they've uh, structured this offense right now in the run and shoot. Other than force feeding the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, they're not getting a lot of passing game work out of Kenyon Drake. They've done a little bit with uh, Chase Edmonds, but this is a very concerning offense where uh, Christian Kirk has been hurt. 
They have not really had a lot of other guys, and they're basically forcing the ball to Hopkins, so it makes it very easy for defenses to key on. The only thing that's holding him up right now is his rushing value, so I am a little bit concerned. He's on the back end of quarter one, back one status, but that's going to keep his floor high if he does figure it out in the passing game. Uh, next question I had, where do you have Robbie Anderson ranked? You know, as a DJ Moore owner, it pains me to hear that Robbie Anderson is the number one wide receiver, but he played in this offense in college, so the terminology and everything um, is probably a little bit easier for him. Um, So I think he'll probably keep this going, at least for the foreseeable foreseeable future. Um, Where do I have him ranked, though? He still just... The thing with Anderson is... His past, um, you know, with the Jets, um, he was so boomer bust. And so I still kind of carry that with him now because I don't trust his quarterback. I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater to break games open. He's more of a game manager. Um, So I would have him still kind of back end wide receiver two, middle wide receiver two, back end wide receiver two territory for Robbie Anderson. I think that's fair. I think you've baked in some of the doubts that we still have about him and about this offense. I'm a little bit more of a high upside with the volume that he's received so far and the yards. He isn't getting a a ton of touchdowns, so that is a little bit concerning. So I can't put him in the wide receiver one category, but somewhere in the wide receiver two, probably mid wide receiver two is about where his value is at. He's a valuable asset that you can basically put into your lineup and have been, at least for the first four weeks, gotten really good value for. So I can't really um, argue too much with that. Vikings and Texans, is this Vikings offense rounding into form after uh, they get a 31-23 to win on the road at the Texans? Delvin Cook goes for 130 yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen, eight catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson gets five catches for over 100 yards. Absolutely, I think it is, and I think it has everything to do with Delvin Cook, them starting out with the run. Last game, he had 27 rushing attempts. The game before that, he had 22. Um, With a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, I feel like he's a play-action style of quarterback. So if you fear the run playing against Minnesota, then that's going to open up. Phillip Rivers as as the answer at their quarterback position. Um, Jonathan Taylor uh, finishes with kind of yet another Um, lackluster performance against what I thought might have been a a decent matchup. Uh, So my first question on this particular game, is there a usable Colts offensive player right now? Um, You know, that's tough. You would like to argue Jonathan Taylor, and I will still argue Jonathan Taylor, um, because he's the one that's been most consistent, even though it's not what we thought he was going to be with all the hype a couple of months ago. Um, I think the problem with Jonathan Taylor is his volume. One, he only had 12 carries. He's one of those running backs where I feel like he gets stronger as the game goes on. He's huge, right? He's a powerful guy, but he's also fast. Um, week two, I think it was, he had one of the top five speed ratings on that long touchdown reception that he had. I think he was clocked at over 20 miles an hour. So he's a strong and a fast guy. Um, but they only had 18 carries, and one of those carries was a Phillip Rivers carry. So they're not really feeding the running backs like I thought they were going to at the beginning of the year with as good as an offensive line that they had. 
Um, I think a lot of it also has to do with Philip Rivers, with him not being able to um, spread the field, open it up, and make safeties drop back. You know, if you can't get into two high safety looks to open up the box a little bit, you're really not doing your running back any favors if he has to keep running into eight-man fronts and everything like that. It's not going to be productive. Um, so I think they, the problem in Indianapolis is starts with the quarterback, and I think it also has to do with the play calling and what they're trying to do with Jonathan Taylor. But it, it's crazy with as with as bad as we think that he's doing and he's not, he's below expectations. Like nobody can argue that um, he's still the number three rookie running back behind James Robinson and Clyde Edwards, Alaire. He's only five points behind Clyde Edwards, Alaire. So I feel like it's coming and I feel like um, they're going to keep trying to work with him, but I think it's more disappointing than anything that he's not living up to the expectations that we had for him a couple months ago. When they signed Philip Rivers, I thought this was about what his capability was. He was going to be extremely limited as a starter. He didn't have much of an arm left. You knew that this was going to be a problem, and yet you went ahead and did it anyway. There were viable options on the free agency market for quarterbacks. Andy Dalton is going to be the starter for Dallas going forward. You have Cam Newton, who was unsigned yeah. until like up until the last minute, by the Patriots, and that looks like one of the signings of the year. Uh, he I, might win comeback player of the year. And then you have Jameis Winston, who's playing backup to Drew Brees in New Orleans, who has at least a strong arm. You put a decent line around him, and yeah, he hasn't made great decisions all the time, but put a strong running game in the rest of it. Partner that with the fact that they lost two of their um, younger more athletic wide receivers early on in the season and their offense is going to struggle. It's not really that unpredictable from where they sat. And I think that if they're going to reassess, I think they gave Phillip rivers a two year deal. I don't know if that lasts through the season, if, if they underperform uh, continuing going on because they still have tough games against Tennessee and, and some of these other ones. I, that defense is for real. But you really made a mistake with going with Philip Rivers as your guy. And I, I've said that for a while. All right, uh, let's move to Dolphins at 49ers. If it wasn't um, the surprise of the weekend for the Raiders beating the Chiefs, this was likely your biggest surprise of the weekend. Um, I, the biggest surprise in the, this one, um, let me rephrase that or back up a, a second here. The Dolphins win 43-17. to 17. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns. Preston Williams with over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Devontae Parker has another big game for uh, uh, the Dolphins. Jimmy Garoppolo throws two picks in the first half with 7 of 17 and ends up getting benched for the second half. I guess the bigger surprise, the uh, Dolphins' explosion or the 49ers' implosion? I mean, it's got to be the 49ers, even with the amount of injuries and all that other nonsense that they're dealing with. This is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year, right? So there's no excuse to lose to a team like the Miami Dolphins. You still have so much talent on that team. So I would say the biggest surprise for me is the 49ers just imploding. The Dolphins got an absolute steal in Brian Flores. He is clearly a guy who can uh, maximize the most out of what you have as a roster. And they 
um, traded a lot of talent. They got certain guys out of town. And I only wonder what this team is going to be like if they get their franchise quarterback at some point playing. But they clearly play hard for him. And in a team that's somewhat lacking in talent in some spots, you have to admire what they've been able to accomplish so far. That's a tough place to go out and try and win. Clearly the 49ers are banged up, but I definitely did not expect them to just absolutely annihilate them. And it, it really was not close. I mean, this this was like 21 to nothing uh, really early on. Jimmy G did not look good. I, I wonder what they're going to do at that quarterback situation for next week. I think they have a divisional game against the Rams. So it, it's it remains to be seen what this uh, team is going to be. I think the 49ers got their ass kicked, and uh, they're going to come back stronger next week against a very good Rams team. But maybe this is a one-off. It still is one of the biggest surprises of the weekend. All right. Cowboys at Giants. This is probably the game that most people know uh, this weekend. We unfortunately saw one of the most gruesome injuries you will ever see. Dak Prescott scrambles in the middle of the third quarter, uh, up the middle, takes it toward the sideline, gets tackled, and uh, dislocates and has a compound fracture of his ankle and his uh, lower calf. Um, I think his tibia, if I if I remember the injury reports more specifically. Um, the Cowboys do end up winning this game after that. Uh, somehow uh, come back for the win, 37-34 to 34 over the Giants at home. Zeke Elliott has two touchdowns in, in the end. Darius Slayton, eight catches for 129 yards. But... Uh, Dak Prescott is the story out of this one, obviously. Uh, so the biggest question is, are the Cowboys fantasy players relevant without Dak at quarterback? I, we talked about it a little bit earlier with Zeke. Um, he's going to get a lot more volume. Um, he's going to get a lot more touches. Um, I feel like he'll probably even get a lot more receptions too. Andy Dalton is not some Joe Schmo quarterback. All right. Andy Dalton is a pretty successful quarterback supported an offense for a very long time and somebody that you feel like you can go out and you can win a game with the in the for in the Cowboys history the history of the Dallas Cowboys they especially recent history they've always had a legit um backup quarterback they've always paid decent money for a legit backup quarterback for situations just like this um and they used Andy Dalton like what at what point in the game did that that get hurt Right? It was like middle of the third? Yeah, third. maybe middle to end of the third, but he played right. the entire fourth quarter. Right, and he threw the ball 11 times, and he completed nine out of those 11 passes. He's going to be able to support the CDs of the world, the Gallops of the world, and the Mari Coopers of the world if he has the time to do it. Um, I think Andy Dalton, honestly, I think he's got a really good skill set for this type of a situation. They're, they're still going to be aggressive on offense with Andy Dalton at quarterback. So I, I would feel okay uh, as having Cowboy wide receivers. I would feel just fine with Andy Dalton under center. I do think that you grade it down a little bit. I think some of the bigger plays are not going to be there as much. I do think that game script-wise, they're still going to be be behind to any of the really good teams they're going to play, but they do have some other promising matchups. They still have yet to play the Eagles and yet to play Washington, and those are two defenses you think you might be able to take advantage of. At some point, you also have to play the Giants again, so there are 
matchups that you will like at some point uh, for them to have fantasy viability. That doesn't mean that Andy Dalton is going to be able to put up uh, 400-plus yards passing on a weekend wake-out basis like Dak did. And we hadn't seen that really before, so there is a little bit of a downgrade, and I do agree that some of that's going to come from a matter of they're going to try and run the football just a little bit more to try and ease the pressure off of their clearly backup quarterback. I also don't know how Andy Dalton is going to respond because that offensive line is really beat up, and he looked terrible the last Cincinnati with a bad offensive line. So if they have struggles in that particular department, that offense could shut down a little bit because of the offensive line and his inability to really be mobile and um, kind of get around it. Um, the other question I had from this side of the game, the Giants really did play this one tough, but there were still clearly struggles um, when it came to what they were doing with their offense. Did you see any signs of life for any fantasy players on the Giants? You know, um, I don't watch a lot of New York Giants games, but I did come away decently impressed with Daniel Jones. Um, His arm strength was a lot better than I thought it was. He's able to get the ball down the field. Um, He made some tough plays. Um, so that was a little encouraging. Um, other than that, Darius Slayton might be one guy that I'm a little interested in. Um, 11 targets, eight catches for 129 yards, as you said earlier, but I, I think he's sitting there at like a wide receiver three, like a flex position. Um, nothing crazy. So Daniel Jones a little bit and Darius Slayton a little bit as well, but nothing, nothing incredible. Long-term ability, Daniel Jones might be a viable starter. I don't think it's going to be this year unless it's like the right matchup. So he might be stream-worthy at one point or another. And Darius Slayton, it's difficult to predict which games he's going to have big games. He's had other big games before, and he has been fantasy-relevant. We've talked about it on the show. But it's it's tough to call which of those games are it's going to be. So if you have that and there's the inconsistency, I don't know... What that offers to me is comfort as a, as a fantasy player. All right. So let's move on to the Sunday night game, Vikings at Seahawks. And more or less, this this was a very good game. The Vikings controlled this one pretty much uh, throughout until about the fourth quarter. Uh, they were up five points with just under two minutes to play. Um, Seattle leads a late drive to win the game. They were down 13-0 at half. Uh, Russell Wilson has his lowest passing yards of the uh, season, I think of even last or the last year and a half combined. And But the, the biggest story out of this one might be the potential injury to Delvin Cook, which I don't know if we have any clear, clarity yet on his situation. Apparently the MRI went well yesterday, so you would hope that he might be back um, soon, but you don't know necessarily what he's going to be. So I'd like to open this up. Obviously, we had decent performances out of DK Metcalf. You got some production out of Russell Wilson. Um, Chris Carson was good again. But uh, Delvin Cook, who was having a good game, and the Vikings were clearly trying to run the football a lot, uh, leads the game, hands it off to Alexander Madison, who ends up with over 100 yards in the ground and 24 through the air. I think this is a good spot to have the handcuff discussion. I have always been a proponent of trying to 
especially if you have a guy that we know is a good backup um, going out and really spending some capital, particularly in the draft, maybe uh, reaching a little bit to get that backup secure. But I've had Madison sitting on my bench for the last two years, partly because I, I know Delvin Cook does not stay healthy for uh, prolonged periods of time. What's your feeling on the handcuff situation? Do you support that? Do you think it doesn't really matter? Or what exactly is your feeling? Um, I don't have any handcuffs. One of the reasons why is you have both of my handcuffs. Um, but I'm also not huge on handcuffs either. Um, I don't know if that's because of the way my team is set up where I really don't need them. If one goes down, I really have another guy that can come in that's running back to uh, territory at the at the absolute worst. Um, but I understand the handcuff. Um, a couple of years ago, I used my first pick on Tony Pollard because that's when Zeke was going through his contract situation and I, I reached for him. But then Zeke came back and I think almost immediately I let Tony Pollard go. Um, I understand the, the Dalvin Cook handcuff aspect because he, he tends to get he tends to have some bumps and bruises where that causes him to miss a little bit of time. But Handcuffs, if they're there, I'll take them. Um, I'm not going to reach crazy amount for it because um, I know when I took Tony Pollard, I think I was picking like I had the ninth pick or the eighth pick or something like that. So I didn't really feel like I was giving up a huge amount. But for me, I guess it's to each his own. Um, but I'm not crazy. I'm not going to go crazy about a handcuff. I, in situations like this where the running back spots are limited and where you have a scheme-heavy team, there are some guys that you really want uh, the handcuff. And in this particular season, having Mike Davis with how well he's performed instead of um, Christian McCaffrey is a good handcuff. Madison is clearly a above-average handcuff. I'm not saying this for every single team because they, it drops off after a little bit to some teams. And injuries might uh, be a different situation where you have a clear committee situation like the Rams, um, where all three of those guys are owned possibly by different teams in your league. But uh, Latavius Murray last year uh, for the four games that um, Elvin Kamara was out was a stud. And so there are some handcuffs that I would prioritize over others. Madison, uh, Murray are a couple of the, the names there. Chase Edmonds, because I think he's an above average. He probably should be the starter over Kenyon Drake, uh, given what we've seen in output so far. So it's a it's a case-by-case case basis, but there are guys where I would make the credible case, and I would go out of my way, uh, given injury history and other things, to make sure I had them on. I invested a first or second round pick in certain guys. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is a is a clear case where they were both viable fantasy starters, but now that Nick Chubb's out, Kareem Hunt might be a top three back uh, moving forward in that Browns offense. So it, it just depends, but I've always been a big proponent of the, the handcuff situation. All right, so we're not going to discuss right now the Bills and Titans game because that's ongoing. Uh, we'll probably recap that one for our preview episode for next week, but right now uh, the Really, it was a great game last night. Chargers at Saints. Um, Justin Herbert has an absolute explosion against the Saints, um, but they lose in overtime, uh, 30-27. to 27. Um, Drew Brees does throw for 325 yards and a score. Emmanuel Sanders with 12 catches for 122 yards. But 
the biggest uh, statements out of this particular game were Justin Herbert and Mike Williams, who has two long touchdowns to his name in this particular game. Uh, is Mike Williams, if he can stay on the field, a fantasy stud? Um, Mike Williams, for me, he's a fantasy stud when Keenan Allen is not playing. You look at the numbers, he has huge games when Keenan Allen's not around. Um, when Keenan Allen is around, he's average to below average. Um, Keenan Allen is the one that really makes that offense go on the wide receiver core. Um, that being said, can we take a moment and appreciate Justin Herbert? Um, he is a whole hell of a lot better than I thought he was going to be to start out right away. Only 21 years old, right? But looks like he's been in the league for a couple of years now. I think he's got a decent, decent future ahead of him. But uh, I, and maybe him developing will open it up a little bit more for Mike Williams. Um, but if I was to pick between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, I'm going to go Keenan Allen every single day and twice on Sunday. Justin Herbert and uh, Joe Burrow are stud quarterbacks. And uh, I really like what their progression is going to be long term. I upgrade everybody on their offenses, uh, potentially moving forward as viable fantasy starters. And I really liked what Mike Williams did last night. He Again, I think he was the number seven pick in that draft, number eight, something like that. And so he clearly has some fantasy relevance, some talent. It's just been a question of health and opportunity. And last night he got it in droves. I, I think depending on the Keenan Allen situation, yes, he upgrades a little bit here or there, but it's a situation where uh, I think he's potentially relevant if he's on the field because Herbert's that good. Uh, I do want to make one other note. It was literally just released. This is breaking news. The New York Jets have released Le'Veon Bell. What? Shut the fuck up. Really? Yes. They just released him. They released him. Imagine being so stupid that you pick Adam Gase over Le'Veon Bell. What the fuck? That's pretty sweet, though. We just got to break news, even though people won't hear about it till after the fact. But that's pretty cool. Oh, I'm sure they'll hear it from <laughs> all of their other outlets, but they get to hear our sincere reactions to it. Oh, uh, that's fucking nuts. Yeah, the fact that he has the ability, and he's getting paid quite a bit of money from being cut. So he can sign a kind of a sweetheart deal. He could go in a lot of places and <laughs> sign for relatively cheap through the rest of the year. Um, I, my comments from earlier stand, it, it's a possibility, depending on where he ends up, he could go to a winning team or a team that's uh, maybe a good running back away from being really relevant, make an explosion. So, you know, I'm not necessarily starting him the next couple of weeks until I figure out what team he's on, but he might be a guy that come playoff time, might be a good guy to have you on your roster if you uh, want to buy low on a guy. What are you looking to uh, get rid of Le'Veon Bell for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, we will be back again later this week to uh, break everything down in preview for week six. Until then, wear a damn mask, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. I mean, it's the equivalent of, like, putting on your seatbelt. It really shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> this podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.